Hey, welcome to episode 79 of the Thoughtcast, conversations about animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, coming to you from northern Minnesota. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Jody Pulaski, coming in from Georgia. How's it going, Jody? It is going great. I'm honored to be the one and only co-host tonight. Usually I'm having to share the spotlight with Dawson or Lara or Hannah, but I'm excited to be here and to go over Farmageddon with you. That's right. We're talking some Oscars this week on the Thoughtcast and uh, very exciting to, I think, perhaps for the first time on this show, delve into the subject of claymation <laughs> from Ardman Animations, uh, famous British film production studio um, behind the likes of Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Run, Shaun the Sheep. So today's film, Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon uh, from 2019, released in the U.S. Uh, February 14th, uh, 2020. Uh, hence, it's um, qualification for the 2021 Oscars, which are being held Sunday. And uh, yeah, it's nominated for Best Animated Feature. Uh, Jody, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on... Ardman or or else you can just jump right into some Shaun the Sheep talk. Uh, so Farmageddon is the first I've seen of Shaun the Sheep. I know that there's shorts and I know there's a previous movie about him, but really my only experience prior to Farmageddon with stop animation was Chicken Run, which we said we watched when we were like maybe eight or nine years old. It came out, what, back in 2000. 2000? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've been meaning to see some other stop animation things that have come out since then, stop motion films like Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, Isle of Dogs. Um, I did see Missing Link, but but this one, it was really cute. Uh, there's something really simple and pure that come with this animation style. It's, it's really charming. Mm -hmm. And what I really liked about it is the silence. It's hard to capture kids' attention. It's hard to capture anyone's attention in 2021. Um, so to be able to do so without lines and without words and dialogue, it's it's cool. It's a skill. And, and I enjoyed it. I thought this movie, I mean, it might not be at the top of everyone's list, but for me today, like I loved it a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, this technique of stop motion or stop animation has existed since the dawn of filmmaking essentially you, all you do is stop the camera from rolling and you know change setup of what's in front of the camera and keep going again and you know you could you know i guess the first instance of this was like just making it look like an object is disappearing before your eyes on screen, you know, <laughs> the most basic you can go. Now to um, things like Shaun the Sheep or The Missing Link, um, with, where you have these, you know, uh, sophisticated maquettes that <laughs> you then manipulate. Um, you know, this is a special style claymation where like they're literally forming these figures out of some flexible clay like material like play-doh essentially I, I should look up the composition of of the stuff that makes it so um especially malleable but it, it's fun and you know gumby was an example of that in earlier eras of 
film and television. Um, I think the Rankin Bass, like Christmas specials, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, a lot of those figures were more solid, like rigid wood figures, but they also incorporated, you know, clay elements in those films as well. Some of the effects like water or, um, I don't know, certain fluid effects, you know, were all were achieved through um, clay. It's, it's just such a unique look and, and a very pure, and, and this harkens back to an earlier time in film as well, being a, a silent film for the most part, or, you know, it's told in pantomime. There's no, no mm-hmm. English dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So um, you, you, uh, you found it just gen- generally um, rewarding. Enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. I think if I would have watched it in elementary school, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much. I might've found it like a little dull, um, just, you know, because they can't speak and I'm, I love the talking. I love the singing as you know, but as an adult, like I really appreciated the art that went into it. And I found the characters really lovable. I hadn't seen the prior movies, like I said, but Sean the sheep, I mean, you have to love Sean the Sheep. And the new character they met in this one, um, I believe her name was Lula the Alien. Yeah. She's so cute, so sweet. You can't look away from the screen when she's interacting. The way they're able to portray emotion and feeling and situations without words is, it's iconic. <laughs> iconic. The word of the century. Well, it's, um, you know, it, it does just totally embody, you know, whatever... Um, superlative you might want to throw at it because of just how I don't know pure and and artistic this method of animation is they Ardman have used a substance called Nuplast which is made in the UK and they have also used Van Aken which is made in the US Uh, however they now use their own special proprietary mix called Ard Mix in their clay. So you're telling me it's not the Play-Doh that I get at Target for my nephew? No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it's it's gotta be a pretty specialized substance I imagine to hold up under like the, I'm sure the warm, you know, heavy lighting that they subjected to. And of course it takes so long to do these animations. Um, So like it has to hold up over time and stay malleable. I just, it, it doesn't sound, here's the thing. I, I love animation. You know, I call this show the Thodcast conversations about animation. You know, I, I love the film Frozen for all kinds of reasons. And, you know, I'm, I'm from Minnesota, so there's kind of a shared heritage there. But um, the, also the medium of animation has sort of like a stripped down quality to it where it can be very fluid um, and, just um abstract compared to like live action um where Mm -hmm. where you only have a certain degree of control where with animation you can you know present images in whatever mode you like Um, so So do you if you had to compare if someone's like a or b do you like this animation style more or less than the the typical 2d let's say the 2d animation compared to 2d um it's hard to say because um, stop motion is it's pretty rare I think because it's it is just so labor intensive to achieve to the point where like my love of animation you know I've never even really attempted to learn how to draw properly uh, you know as much as I, I love to consume 
<laughs> these things. You don't want to contribute. You don't want to contribute. It's so sad. But I, you know, I get just so stressed out thinking about it. And I think that's okay. Like you need communicators, just like there are, are people known as like science communicators. It is Earth Day on the day we're recording this. Um, you know, people like Bill Nye or Neil deGrasse Tyson, they're not like, you know, I guess they, they have accomplished a certain amount of science in their life, but they're more involved in like presenting science to a general audience. Yeah. Like they didn't discover gravity, but they'll tell you about it. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're good <laughs> communicators. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of like actors, you know, <laughs> and uh, same thing. I feel like there's maybe a demand. Um, you know, I don't do enough to promote this show. I'm, I'm hoping to maybe change that sometime in the near future. I'm, I'm very insecure about like my own prowess as a, a broadcaster or, or a, you know, uh, an orator, <laughs> shall, shall I say, uh, you know, I've, I've always had very like cold feet when it comes to all sorts of things in life, uh, cold feet, hence the, the thought cast. Um, and, um, it just takes me a while to get to a point where I'm like comfortable really committing to something now, I'm I feel like I'm getting there with podcasting, but it's taken time and I'm content to take my time. Well, I mean, that's an art form in itself, taking your time because I read about uh, how they make these sequences with claymation and somewhere it said that three seconds takes three days. It's so maybe you're going, you're going at the right pace, Philip. Yeah. You just got to stick to something. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and animation is such a compelling subject to me that I have to imagine, you know, there are people who'd be willing to listen to, you know, the discussion of said subject on a podcast. And I know there are because there are a lot of animation podcasts out there, a lot of which deal more on sort of the industry side of things um, and, and really get into kind of the nitty gritty of how the industry works and, you know, getting to know all the different artists who have staked their claim in animation and all the different techniques they used. Uh, you know, we on the show focus a bit more on, on like story and just how this thing affects us kind of on just a, a film going, you know, visceral level. Um, but, and I, I love that side of things because of the way animation is just so versatile with the, the kinds of stories you can tell compared to, um, a lot of film. I mean, we're in Oscar season now, for example, um, you know, blockbusters, I feel have always had a tremendous potential to tell unique stories that this um, potential isn't always taken advantage of because of the nature of trying to sell blockbuster films to a, a wide audience. But also, um, the, you know, the kinds of movies you generally see nominated for Oscars are kind of deal within a, a certain range of subject matter that's very personal, you know, it's, it's small scale, um, you know, so that has its own limitations too, Jody. I don't know, do you follow indie movies that much? I mean, that's mainly what gets nominated for Oscars nowadays, but you know, smaller, more intimate films. Does that appeal to you in terms of like how the Oscars are, um, you know, are, are considered? So I feel like I'm kind of a weird consumer. I either really like the super popular things like these frozen movies or, mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, something really, really big, or I will go to like, I'm in Augusta, Georgia now, and they'll have these tiny, tiny film festivals, but it's to me, I love it more than anything because the directors come and they talk about their movie and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So 
anything in between, I feel like it's lost in my mind. So that's why I love the podcast because every now and then you'll bring up a movie or suggest a movie and it gives me a chance to sort of explore it a little bit. But, but yeah, I would say I'm like not the best consumer of the indie style unless it becomes something popular, like example, Little Miss Sunshine or uh, Napoleon Dynamite, you know, those yeah. movies that get a <laughs> yep. cult following. So that's a, that's a different that's not the indie movies you're referring to. So unfortunately I'm not. I, I mean, I was just thinking of Napoleon Dynamite as an example. Uh, there's even some, I think animation in that as well. The opening credit sequence, but like, uh, yeah, a lot of great artistry. Um, you know, this is one of five films nominated for uh, best animated feature Oscar this year at the Oscars, um, inc which include the list or the likes of um, Pixar soul, um pixar's word I, I think both pixar's got nominated this year um and uh sean the sheep farmageddon um and we talked about uh over the moon um, um and was there another one i mean i'm just uh, gonna hope it's that one about the red-headed girl with the wolves but oh oh yeah yeah well wolf walk wolf okay and that one i'm Still hedging my bets on that one but this this one is really good too i mean i read about sort of the reason why they they took this approach to farmageddon and it's it's the only sci-fi oh it's not the only sci-fi because over the moon never mind mm, there's yeah. there's multiple sci-fis <laughs> in there yeah um the the award is almost 20 years old yeah years old it turns 20 next year um chicken run which was released in the year 2000 was the first ever Ardman animated feature. Um, the studio had existed for more than 10 years prior to that. However, primarily under the guidance of the solo act of animator Nick Park, who took about six years, which, hey, uh, no judgments <laughs> because, I mean, it's amazing what he's accomplished. Um, you know, that uh, took him six years to complete a short film uh, titled A Grand Day Out, uh, which was the first ever Wallace and Gromit short film released in 1989. Um, are you familiar with this story, uh, Jody? I am not, but ever since, you know, reading about Farmageddon, uh, when we decided we were going to talk about this one, I've, I've done a little bit of research mm -hmm. and I never saw it. You know, I've said this before on the podcast is like, I'm not a huge Pixar style person. And I think in my head, I thought this was going to be a similar thing, but I do want to see it now because Gromit's the dog, right? Yes. And is Gromit, it's not the same dog that's in Farmageddon, but, but I like it. I like, I like the these animal claymation characters. So, so I'm not super familiar about it, but I remember hearing about it because my sister really liked it and it, it made a big splash when it came out. I just never saw it. Yeah, yeah. He's Nick Park, uh, founded Aardman. Um, he co-directed Chicken Run with Peter Lord. Um, and, you know, it's just got such a distinctive art style. Like you asked me, you know, do I prefer looking at these stop motion you know, these are actual photographed elements on a set uh, that are posed, you know, one frame at a time, you know, compared to something like hand-drawn animation or even computer animation. I, it's so hard to say because um, I'm just much more 
accustomed to the hand-drawn style. I think I do enjoy it more as well because I don't know, it's, there's something more electrifying to me about most hand-drawn animation. It's, it's a, sort of like looking at a moving stained glass window um, and then add the element of like 3D with, um, with modern CGI. And, and it's just, there's a whole added dimension to that, which I can really appreciate at times as well. Um, it's hard to play favorites. Yeah, but um, I mean, that's why that style yeah. is not to overlap you, but that's why that style is kind of the mainstay. And I feel like this is the oddity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing something creative like this, like Sean's world, mm -hmm. Sean the Sheep's world coming into uh, Netflix, it, it's kind of an offbeat experience. I mean, we looked through before this, this recording, just how many stop motion ones there were. And I mean, it's a limited, it's a limited list. And it's like that for a reason, you know, like people, it's not the number one style. Otherwise they would all be like this. Yeah, I, I would. But you can still appreciate it. You can still yeah. really love it and, and not want it for every single story or musical, you know, that you see. Yeah, I'm the furthest thing from a purist. And like, I would ultimately give the edge to our modern CGI uh, when it comes to my preferred animation aesthetic. Um, but I, I mean, there's something just irreplaceable about uh, you know not only claymation or, or stop motion but also um the the analog um method of like painting and inking um individual cells for an animated film you know the, the way they did it you know from i guess prior to um rescuers down under for example in, in disney's case that was the first film where they did um, the pro the post post production on a computer, um, but prior to that it, it was like it was all analog, um, and and I I missed something about that that um, tactile feel, um, mm -hmm. but but a lot of that can be sort of replicated nowadays on a computer. Uh, we've seen with things like certain video games that try to replicate that style. You know, Cuphead is an example. Um, I, I, there haven't really been any mainstream films. There have been some that have attempted cell shading, like like Paper Man, a short film that came up during our um, Over the Moon episode. I love it. Yeah, um, I, it'd be cool to see something like that again in feature animation. I just think the storytelling limitations are so um, non-existent when it comes to CGI, especially uh, that it's hard to kind of go back to something that might be a little more restrictive, although restrictions aren't necessarily a bad thing either um, on, on creativity and story. And I was going to say it forces them, it pushes them to, to go in new directions sometimes when there's, there's yeah. limits, you know, you kind of yeah. have to squeeze the Play-Doh and it, it's going to shoot out somewhere. And, and really they can now make something like Chicken Run or Shauna Sheep or Wallace and Gromit probably look indistinguishable uh, from the photographed sets and individually posed um, figurines on a computer. Because we've seen this with like the Lego movies mm -hmm. um, where it does look like a photograph ultimately. Uh, so I don't know, technology is kind of rendering some of this stuff obsolete, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> uh, 
but we'll see how it ultimately pans out. Cause I, I think there are just a lot of people, you know, a lot of artists who will continue to devote themselves, uh, devote themselves to these art forms, uh, whether they're really commercially viable or not. Right. Or, or you find people like, regardless of the money that just have a passion for it. I read through a quick article, I think it was deadline.com that they talked to uh, two of the people who worked on this film and just like their love for producing it together. I mean, obviously they're doing it for yeah. money. Everyone, everyone's doing it for money, but the way they talk about this film, the way they talk about yeah, Sean as a character, there, there's a lot of love that goes into it. Uh, they talk about the concept art and creating that all together. And I think by the end of it, they said their their studio was like as big as four football fields for this movie. Like they, mm -hmm. they really went all out on it. And I think they probably had like a really good time with it. Of course, that's just the tone of one interview, but there's something really breathtaking about seeing people talk about their, their projects with mm -hmm. such uh, vigor and I don't know what the word is, but well, passion. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're artists, but they're also getting paid to do what they love. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there's going to be a natural draw uh, for, for the people who love to do this type, type of thing. Um, and, you know, with Chicken Run, um, that was the most successful animated film the year it came out. Um, the, it was nominated for a, a Golden Globe, the best film, musical or comedy, uh, didn't win. Uh, wasn't nominated for any Oscars. The, it would have gotten Best Animated Feature, I'm sure, if that category existed. The, it was introduced the following year. Best, Anim Best Animated Feature uh, was part of the 2002 Oscar ceremony. And you know what movie won that year? In the inaugural? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Shrek. Oh, I hate Shrek. Oh, <laughs> I don't, don't like Shrek. Oh, I don't like God. the I don't like the fart humor. Like I don't like the poop, like dirty poopa like humor. <laughs> but I well, I remember going to Shrek, and it's it's a movie that stands out for me. So like it deserved to win. That's that's a big one. Shrek, yeah, it um, on its own merits, you know, is a plenty enjoyable film unto itself. That I think a lot of people blame for the the worst tendencies that have since you know come about in um in animation or, or kids film um marketing um but i mean you could trace some of the f follies of shrek to earlier films as well you know it was just something that was always percolating in the industry um but i i enjoyed the film shrek and you know shrek 2 you know these are kind of fun to watch but yeah, they, they did sort well, of begin a trend. <laughs> well, if you like those movies, I guess I should ask you, did you like this one? Did you like Farmageddon? Like, was it something yeah. to you that was a must watch or a, eh? I recommend it. Um, and I, I do like have just a natural, you know, love of this sort of subject matter, the alien um, from outer space, you know, crashing down to earth. There's just you know yeah. something but she was a baby a baby alien yeah the mystery of that yeah like, <laughs> um this is definitely um i don't i know with with these films there's a certain am amount of distance that i feel because the characters don't really speak the personalities are purely through their 
animation and actions. Uh, that's a tradition that dates back to the earliest Aardman films, you know, the Nick Park style of um, only Wallace being the character, you know, the, the one speaking character in that first Wallace and Gromit short film. I don't think Gromit has ever had a voice. He originally was going to, but, um, you know, Nick Park determined that he could be just as expressive you know, for, you know, the dog character Gromit uh, through purely the, the motions and the animations, you know, his eye uh, movements um, and, uh, and facial animations, you know, were just as effective at giving him a voice as, you know, literally casting an actor to, to do a vocal performance. Plus you save on animation by not having to animate the, the mouth. Um, and yeah, Gromit has always just kind of had this blank expression in his mouth region, you know, unless he's like chewing or something. Um, but he's just got these super expressive eyes and ears. Um, and for those of us who haven't watched, is Gromit the human or is Wallace he's the, the dog? Human? Okay, okay. I didn't know which one was which. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that one, but okay. uh, Wallace does speak. Yeah, he's got this, you know, country, you know, bumpkin English accent. Uh, he's he's from oh England. Well, I'm trying to remember the town. Sean the sheep is from England. He's from like Mossy Bottom. These are all very English uh, stories <laughs> mm -hmm. for the most part. There's, there's a certain very English quality to the humor. Um, but like he's from Wesleydale, I think is the name of the town, um, and they chose that name for the town which is a real town in england um but because of the way you say it, it you get some nice teeth uh animation out of out of that <laughs> word wesleydale mm -hmm. wesleydale <laughs> um but not only that that um is home to a famous style of cheese wesleydale cheese uh and there was a factory that was on the verge of closure around the time the first Wallace and Gromit film huh. grand day out um, that did not you know it it, uh, it stopped <laughs> it uh, it it was prevented from going into bankruptcy and ultimately closing by the success of Wallace and Gromit a grand day out and and that um, you know films reference to Wesley Dale <laughs> and the cheese therein <laughs> Uh, because because uh, Wallace is a big fan of Wesley Dale cheese. Huh. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> I hope I'm not getting that too wrong. Like, there's some connection. I I didn't watch um, that original short prior to um, to recording, other than a single clip of Wallace and Gromit attempting to build a rocket ship. <laughs> Have you seen the majority of the shorts? Does this one kind of run ahead or is it you know the quality wise is it about the same as the shorts i haven't seen them yeah that first wallace and gromit short is you know you can tell it's um earlier <laughs> in its mm -hmm. kind of uh, mm -hmm. progression of, of this studio and you know it's made primarily by one person um but uh, still perfectly entertaining um yeah so Lots, uh, it, you know, it's come a long way since then. Uh, and there haven't been that many uh, Wallace and Gromit shorts, but um, 
there there have since been spinoffs uh you know you you kind of can label anything in this art style because it's so specific as like a wallace and gromit spinoff <laughs> in a certain way mm-hmm. um it's just kind of that's the style uh you've got these you know the way these characters sort of make that toothy grimace on their face every time they're posed in in a, in a smiling fashion you know it almost makes these characters kind of look like they're constipated but i think that's, <laughs> that's kind of the charm yeah <laughs> um and and he's just such a doofus you know this grommet character and yeah that's totally carried through with like the farmer in Shaun the Sheep um I, I'm guessing Shaun the Sheep began as a series of shorts as well and then there's a also TV that's series. what it looked like and then the film came out and then this is the sequel yeah but the farmer is the same stuff like the same kind of like energy I feel like like when he makes the big Farmageddon like theme mm-hmm. park in this movie I don't yeah. know it, Absolutely. It just <laughs> there's just a feeling that comes along with the quote-unquote like dopey farmer yeah, he isn't named. Uh, the dog is name. The dog's name is Bitzer, I believe. Yeah, they have like a fun time, like messing with Bit Bit Bitter throughout uh, this. Yeah, yeah, he's. It's a weird, and and I just I don't have an easy as easy a time getting on board with the humor of of this of these films. I I must say like. They're perfectly fun, and I think upon re- repeated viewings, I might appreciate it more. But there's so much going on. There's so little adherence to any semblance of like real life logic sure. or physics. <laughs> I mean, the pizza—they're—they're they're having like a pizza party, like the sheep in the barn when they come across Lula. Yeah. Like, sheep in real life are never having a pizza party. <laughs> yeah but, How... but that that's the whimsy of it my favorite scene for those who have watched this is there's a scene where they're at the grocery store and just all the things that they can do with animals and these like fun foods like cake and frosting and you know all the different things it it's it's cool even if you don't like the humor you're gonna like at least one or two of the scenes in the movie yeah yeah and it's almost like it's too much too fast Mm-hmm. um and and almost too like disjointed uh, but there's definitely a story uh and you know the, it's it's just gorgeous uh you mm-hmm. you marvel at the you know complexity and the artistry of, of these sets they took a really simple story an alien i mean basically et an alien comes mm-hmm. she's lost they want to get her home there's some mistakes they get her home <laughs> but you're right they cram mm-hmm. a lot of of interaction with that plot with that simple plot mm-hmm. the the antagonists are usually pretty simple you know chicken run had that really sadistic uh farm or, or chicken uh farm owner you know mrs tweedy mm-hmm. and, and her you know very uh <laughs> um was browbeaten husband you know, kind of a doofus character again, like like Wallace or like the farmer here. Um, but yeah, the the villains are often kind of one dimensional. Uh, here it wasn't so uh, pronounced. Like the the agent Red, I think is her name. You know, that's how they refer to her. Mm-hmm. She's like this um, the man in you know, like the Men in Black or this uh, CIA agent or something that's tracking down the alien. 
Um, so she, uh, I guess, had an experience early on in her life with aliens and UFOs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was ridiculed for it. Mm-hmm. But, but it turns out what she saw was right. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because if you look down from a movie that doesn't have speaking parts, you get lost sort of quick. But yeah, she saw she saw like Lula's parents. Mm-hmm. Was that kind of supposed to be the okay? Yeah, she had like seen that. them in her in her youth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lula is a uh, alien youth. You know, much like ET. Yeah. You know, these these movies have their own very unique flavor about them, but they do borrow from things that have come before. Um, you know, the first Shaun the Sheep movie I would liken to like Ferris Bueller's Day Out um, is about these sheep's or sheep. <laughs> you know, led by Shaun. Uh, we haven't really gotten into the the titular character quite yet. Um, but he he wants to take a a day off from being a sheep. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? They're pretty bored out there. It's yeah. that's why I think why his character is so lovable. It's like it's almost like a youthful little boy that just wants to like have a good time, but he's like stuck on this random farm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, he's kind of this gangly, mischievous rebel sheep character. Um, and you know, some of the sheep look kind of nondescript. It's hard to tell them apart. There's a few that you can tell who they are. I think Timmy is like the little one, the lamb. Uh, um, Sh- uh, Shirley is the big one. Uh, and there's a couple others. Um, but but you can tell it's Sean because he's got, you know, hair on his head. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and he's he's rather uh, skinny compared to the others. He's the most intelligent. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, just a kind of a mischievous sort of Mickey Mouse character, but lovable. And like, th- they're, they're sort of an antagonistic play off of the farmer and, and Bitzer. But all, at the end of the day, like they're all friends. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not too, you know, they, they get frustrated with each other because like they're having to run this farm like a normal sheep farm. And, you know, the sheep hate getting shaved. Um, and they like to play pranks on the farmer. Um, but in the end, like they, they all kind of collaborate on doing this, um, this project, which is the titular Farmageddon, <laughs> um, which is like, you know, once the alien arrives, it like leaves a, a crop circle uh, pattern in the field. And, and the farmer gets the idea of like building up a whole theme park around it. Yeah, he <laughs> needs to like cash in on it because that wool wasn't paying off anymore. And I mean, yeah. his little Farmageddon theme park was a success for for while it was there. He was able to buy a brand new combine harvester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you watch that part? At the end? Yeah, they play it. For those who maybe haven't watched it yet, that might be thinking about it. Watch through the credits because there's some surprise little scenes that come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much going on at all times, including all the way to the very end of the credits, you know, from, from the opening credits to the end credits, like it's just nonstop hijinks. Uh, yeah. And like, <laughs> I guess I, I don't need to spoil what happens to the, the farmer who's yeah. You, you, you feel bad for him, shall we say th- throughout various moments in this film. I don't know. He maybe does get his come comeuppance to a degree, being ex, you know, being overly greedy and wanting wanting to cash in on this phenomenon. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I don't blame him. Uh, it's, it's sort of a field of dreams moment for him at a certain point in this uh, the film. Yeah, I don't know. I, it it kind of plays by all the, you know, UFO movie beats and, and even like movies starring animals sort of beats of, you know, there's all kinds of chaos that ensues once the, the action gets thrust into motion. Um, like they trash a convenience store <laughs> that happens. Oh, yeah. Every... <laughs> Uh, you feel bad for the the convenience, you know, all the wanton accidental destruction from from animals. I have a hard time resonating with things like that because it's like I, I find myself much more compelled by vandalism scenes that have a like a motivation behind them. <laughs> yeah. <Or> like <laughs> the, the the characters having like a actual meltdown. And that's fun. That's more fun to watch to me than just random like animal chaos. <laughs> I feel like it's just like one of those like food fight scenes where everyone just kind of goes nuts for a second. Yeah. I don't know. I, th I thought it was cute. But but yeah, now that you say that, I, I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it just it kind of turns it, you know, devolves into noise for me to an extent. Um, you know, it's I don't know but the pantomime stuff is just. It is harder for to grab onto for me. Uh, I've, I've never really enjoyed like the whole silent protagonist trope that you sometimes find in, um, you know, in cartoons or video games. Um, I, I like mm -hmm. it when characters have like the most, you know, personality that's accessible to them, you know, whether through dialogue or, you know, unless there's a very specific reason why a character can't speak. Or, um, or you know, express him or herself in, in some other fashion. I wonder why they opted to do that for this one, because it looks like in the, I mean, there were silent characters in the other ones, but is this the first one where like, there's really no dialogue at all? No, they, um, you know, that first Shaun the Sheep movie. Oh, you were uh, saying. Has no actual dialogue. There are lots of human characters. They speak in gibberish. Yeah, just like the peanuts, uh, the adults and the peanuts, like the teachers. Yeah, they're they're like the Sims. If, if you mm -hmm. play a video game, they're, you know, um, yeah, that, and it's it's just designed to be pure, you know, madcap hijinks throughout. Um, but you know, the, lots of sweetness, and um, it's you know, it's balanced out by these characters being good natured. Yeah, it's, and and the uh, the expressions on the sheep are a little different than from the, the non sheep characters because they have this face that's just very blank much of the time. But it, you know, it's like with um, with Gromit um, in in the Wallace and Gromit films. You know, they get a lot of expression out of the eyes and the ears, and then if they want to make the mouths move on the sheep, you know, they've got this like appendage that they attach to the side <laughs> of the face <laughs> to articulate so they're always like talking out of the side of their mouth like uh <laughs> you know like Watto from star wars or something um you know no i don't know i've yeah. never seen it but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if dawson was here if dawson was here he would say that he knew it's okay yeah it's um you know um i i suppose many 
animals, like if they could speak English, they would have to sort of, it, it would be a struggle for them because their mouths weren't designed for that. Right. Um, they'd have to right. kind of talk out of the side of their mouth. Well, we don't know if animals would even be speaking English. Maybe they'd speak German, Spanish. We have no idea. English animals, probably. Oh, true. <laughs> they'd be picking it up from the farmers. But but I, I agree with that, too. Like, that, it is a little harder to, like, grasp onto the zany plot lines when no one's talking. I just, the labor of love that went into the art form for me, to the animation for me, what, was what Carrie did. Yeah. I was invested in Lula's story and I loved Lula. She yeah. was sweet. Zoom zoom. <laughs> she she likes to fly a spaceship, but just doesn't you know know how to do it. <laughs> it in its uh she doesn't know how to work the controls fully. <laughs> so. No, they needed some type of egg to fly this saucer off. That was kind of a little plot twist for the for this movie. It was like the key fob, yeah. Um, and, and then her, you know, her parents eventually show up, I guess, with the second family vehicle. Um, cause, cause didn't she and her parents live in some kind of like alien suburb, basically? I didn't we see so. that, that dream sweet sequence? She sort of mind melds with, I think the dog bits her or, or else Sean. We see the flashback of her taking the ship. Oh, her. yep. She she like kind of woke up, I think, from like her little nap and then ended up accidentally blasting this ship all the way to Earth because they she's able to do some type of hypno yeah. thing so that Sean the sheep can see her thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And, and that like, was kind of fun. They made it mm -hmm. sort of like bright and there's stars and it's kind of like glowy, which was which was a cool effect. It's very. Um, yeah. The, the vibrant, the, the colors, uh, everything surrounding the alien is just um, it's very bright and colorful, you know, purple and pink hues. Um, they, yeah, the, the sequence of like the UFO being revealed in the beginning has that, you know, bright spotlight mm -hmm. effect. You know, it's popular in these kinds of movies. <laughs> um, you know, there's the kind of crazy guy who, who witnesses it um that was funny farmer farmer brown i think is the name of that character at the beginning uh, or farmer john farmer john is that first witness um and then he gets kind of made fun of <laughs> for uh going on tv and ranting about seeing an alien um but eventually all kinds of hijinks occurs throughout this uh the city of mossingham Oh, I thought it was like mossy bottoms. <laughs> I think it, I wrote down. I think down... it's, wait, <laughs> this is an important factor in the movie because I could have sworn that this place was called mossy bottom. Maybe that's the name really of the, the tavern in town. <laughs> I guess that's just what I took from it. Um, Shaun the Sheep movie, Mossingham is the town. Farmer, do Farmer John and his dog Bingo discover the landing of a UFO and flee the... Oh, the name of Sean the Sheep's farm is Mossy Bottom Farm. <laughs> I didn't think from. I would forget it. <laughs> Cute. No, so you were right. Um, th that's the name of the farm. The name of the town is Mossingham. Yeah, and this, this movie basically is sort of a, an alt 
uh, alternate take on E.T. And the last movie was uh, sort of a take on Ferris Bueller or like a John Hughes type movie. Um, you know, that 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 movie has a pretty bonkers villain in it as well. Um, did, do you know anything about uh, the, the antagonist character in, in the first Shang-Chi film? I don't. I only know this one, Agent Red. Yeah, that, that movie came out in 2015. The the main villain's uh, name, um, and he's like a totally unredemptive character. He's this animal control person, you know, typical uh, movie themed around animals that has the dog catcher as the villain, of course. <laughs> um, but his name is A. Trumper. A. Trumper. Huh. Very subtle, right? <laughs> Yeah, not at all, but I'm here for it. <laughs> but it was, it, yeah, and that was t 2015. So, like, that was before, you know, even there was just, you know, it Donald was just Trump, whispers, yeah, whispers, whispers, <laughs> whispers through the fields about what was coming. <laughs> so it, was, it was very prescient. Um, and of course, it's British. So it's like, you know, they don't have nearly like it, it was subtle for them <laughs> compared to like, I'm sure audiences discovering that film since then in the U.S. being like, oh, even if, you know, whether or not you like Trump, it's like it's a little on the nose, don't you think? Um, but whatever, it's it's a kind of a British sounding name, Trumper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, so, yeah, we I know we, we've been talking for a while. We uh, we were chatting before the show and uh, catching up a little bit. Um, and it was fun to hear, you know, you've kind of got some of the, the princess stuff uh, back uh, in action Pick, now. Yeah, the world's kind of picking up again. So it was kind of nice to slow down with a, a movie that had no words. So I had to really focus on the film because nowadays when you watch TV, usually you're half on the phone, half on the laptop and half watching a movie. But with this one, I, I really got to focus. So I really enjoyed it before getting back to the busyness of work again. Yeah, yeah, it, it holds your attention. Mm -hmm. uh, it should hold, you know, any kid who's, you know, interested in film and animation. Sheep. sheep. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, sheep are cute, yeah. I don't know, there's a plot device. I don't know if it occurs in this film, but like there are multiple times where the sheep form a line and will jump over like an obstacle in front of a group of people or in they front want of them to sleep the farmer yeah to get him to sleep <laughs> did that happen here yes it happens towards the beginning i don't remember really what the scene is but the sheep are just i think sort of bored they want to have a okay. pizza party so they make the farmer fall asleep before yes. they have their pizza party it's it's cute i'd never seen it before but it seems like a a sheep thing to do all the little details like that that um just add add so many layers you know to, to the that's the thing about Brits and their sort of dry, witty, you know, it's all about wit. So like the more they can sort of pick out different details and make little jokes <laughs> about these subtle things, um, you know, is, is really the appeal of, um, of a lot of British humor. Yeah, the subtle, the subtle yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but it, it was good. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to win. Like I said, my money's on Wolf Walker, but I'm happy I watched it so I can sort of gauge um, these these ones that are up for the awards this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, right? Sunday? yes. Sunday the 25th. 
Um, it's exciting. Yeah, I guess they'll be kind of clashing with their cousins over in Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Who, who's your bet to win? Before before we wrap up on anyone, I want to know. I want it recorded so we see Wolfwalkers or Up so or not just, Up? Sorry, Soul. Yeah, just to get a, a clean list through all the nominees, it's um, Onward, Soul, Wolfwalkers, Over the Moon, and Shaun the Sheep. Farmageddon. Uh, my pick would have to be Wolfwalkers. Yeah, we'll pool our money and bet on it. I wish yeah. Dawson and Hannah were here to kind of let us know their thoughts of of where it's going to go, but we'll get to reconvene next week and, and see where we're at and who won. Yeah, I'll get thoughts from the rest of the cast on yeah whether they uh, were happy with the result or not. Um, could could be a surprise if it's if it's sean the sheep though that's gonna be i'll be surprised not that it, not that it's a good animation but i don't know i i don't see it winning yeah i i don't know i guess chicken it depends on what they're a, looking for it depends on yeah. what they're looking for i guess what type uh-huh. you know entertaining or artistry or yeah and like i've seen i saw the wallace and gromit film that they made in 2005 that was like their first movie uh since chicken run because it just takes so long to do these uh, chicken run 2000 wallace and gromit i believe in 2005 and actually won that did win the year it came oh it did so, yeah that one best animated feature um well and, you and, can edit yeah. the podcast and delete what i said <laughs> no 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 wallace and gromit the movie one oh. chicken run didn't oh. because the war didn't exist but they did make a wallace and gromit movie back in 2005 or that was when it was released um and and the oscars uh following did award um best animated feature oscar to wallace and gromit um and then they've kind of had a fallow period after that um and they released a couple of computer animated films uh flushed away and Arthur Christmas. Uh, and then I got back into the traditional um, claymation and have since released movies like The Pirates, which I saw. It's pretty good. Um, and Early Man, um, you know, I, which I haven't seen. Mm, me um, neither. But now I've seen Shaun the Sheep, the movie, and Farmageddon. I think that kind of rounds out the list. Uh, Shaun the Sheep, the movie was nominated for best animated feature year that came out um it was released in 2015 so i'm trying to think what movies are from that year 2015 it might have been like big hero 6 or something no big hero 6 was 2014 um zootopia was 2016 uh i'm not going to research it right now just to for the sake of time um we'll leave that on the listeners like the <laughs> listeners homework is to go figure it out and let us know in the comments below <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not entirely sure what what won over sean the sheep the first film um but yeah the, this um de- check out sean the sheep farm again on netflix and uh i i guess since i was gonna say since chicken run none of these films have really connected with me on that same pure joy level um and and i think that first film had a bit more like an american sensibility to it you know there's the rooster character voiced by mel gibson who's this you know very cocksure character always uh 
you know, bragging about his accomplishments and kind of adding an element of like good old American uh, can do attitude. I don't know. But the, the did you notice the rooster in this film? Yikes. No, I didn't. Sorry. Okay. I just where was I, the rooster? There, there is a rooster on the, the farm on the mossy bottom farm, you know, who <laughs> is often, <laughs> yeah, de depicted like holding a sign or something. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. I liked him. That was a fun touch. Well, he, he bears a certain resemblance to Rocky, the rooster from. Is he supposed to be? Chicken Run. I, I have to imagine that's sort of a nod. Chicken well, that's fun. I, I like that. I like when movies do that, when they kind of interlap in some type of little way. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess uh, that will conclude our thoughts on Sean the Sheep. Uh, Farmageddon. Jody. Yeah, Farmageddon. Because Philip originally said Sean the Sheep, so I started watching the wrong movie. So everybody, we just talked about Farmageddon, just yeah. so you don't get confused. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed talking about it. It's always fun going over movies like this. They're a little, uh, I don't know, sometimes quietly dropped onto Netflix. So maybe not everyone's had a chance to enjoy them. Yeah, this movie, you know, didn't have, you know, everything was kind of muted over the past year, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, it was released in February. I don't remember this movie making much of a splash. None of these Arvin films have, you know, it, it wasn't a major um, distribution studio uh, behind the film either. It was it was distributed by Studio Canal. Um, so it's not like they had someone like, you know, Universal or Warner Brothers or, you know, I think um, Chicken Run was DreamWorks uh, that, that distributed the film, you know, and, and really helped market it to a mainstream audience in the u.s um, but these films all have kind of their niche you see that especially with uh, with um stop motion animation where like it, i i think just because it's it, it sort of has the reputation of being a little less um <laughs> aesthetically pleasing less. Some, sure, some sure. kind of creepy, you know, stop motion has always had this reputation of being a little creepy. Do, do you get the vibe? Yeah, I mean, I, th I, I think of um, Corpse Bride and, and things like that. I, I yeah. think it's just the way the eyes and the face move. It's a different look. Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. So like, it's, it's not the most mainstream thing, but it's really cool. Uh, I recommend it. And um, I'll um i'll flush us away here on the thought gas now <laughs> no no joke intended um but jody do you have any uh, social media you want to promote i mean you guys are welcome to follow me i'm really not on social media all that much but on instagram it's jody glasky j-o-d-i-p-o-l-a-s-k-y otherwise catch me here like i've said before with philip hannah dawson and whoever jumps on the thought cast it's my favorite place to be so this is the best place to find me. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again for listening to the Thodcast Conversations about animation. Um, this is our coverage of Farmageddon, directed by Bill Betcher and Richard Fellin. Um, and is it Fellin? Like, like Fellin? Fellin? <laughs> um, I've been your host, Philip Elke. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. And, uh, yeah, you can find Thoughtcast on all sorts of podcasting platforms, uh, you know, iTunes, Google Podcasts, 
uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram. Find me, Phil Delkey, at Phil Delkey on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and otherwise, you all have a, um, a magical day. Have a wonderful week. Warm hugs. Warm hugs.